Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts The Pretty Master All right. Hey, guys, welcome to a new episode of Pretty Messed Up. I know that you probably expected to hear a different type of voice, possibly a deeper one, one that sounds a lot like a Backstreet Boy, maybe. Well, hope I'm not bursting your Backstreet Boy bubble, but today's episode is sponsored by yours truly, for sure. Just me, no script, thanks to iHeart, myself. And since I definitely don't want this episode to be a snoozer or leave our loyal listeners hanging out to dry, I will be introducing you all to a very special guest co-host that I will be introducing shortly. But before we get into it, I just want to take this moment to thank all of you, our loyal fans, followers, and PMU podcast listeners so much for joining the three of us on our amazing podcast journey that I'm hoping has only just begun. And um, I just want to thank you guys for allowing us to build this amazing platform like the three of us have and, you know, where we can truly express our authentic selves and tell our story and do so without judgment. Um, I just want to say thank you. And I just know that the boys also want to thank you as well. And I wanted to start off today's episode with expressing my gratitude to all of you guys. Um, but let's just get this party started and stop and stop with the sappy, you know, Cheryl Burke this morning. Um, <laughs> so for those who are new listeners, welcome. My name is Cheryl Burke, as I just said. And if you can't put a face to my name, Google works great, but don't judge me. Okay. Here's a hint. I've been a pro dancer on Dancing with the Stars for 23 seasons. And no, I'm not as old as Len Goodman. Love you, Len. (laughs) But for today's episode, your girl must hold the fort down, but only, and I repeat, only for today's episode. I gave the boys a break since they were so kind to let me get my tan on in Maui a couple of months ago. So of course, the two amigos are vacationing together with their beautiful families and in total vacay mode while strengthening their bromance. But don't you worry, they both will be back next week. However, in the meantime, as AJ and Nene get nice and sunburnt while frolicking across the golf course together clearly I wrote my own script and 
drinking virgin pina coladas, I begged our producers from iHeart if I could please take over for today. And guess what? They obviously said yes. Um, And I'm begging for anyone who is listening right now, please stay and listen throughout the show, guys. Even if you don't listen and you want to talk to your bestie on the phone, that's fine. But please, whatever you do, don't press pause or stop on whatever podcast podcast app you use. Just pretend my voice sounds like one of those, you know, meditation apps because I would like to not lose my job. So please help a sister out and give your favorite trio five stars and leave a comment, preferably a nice one, maybe complimenting me and how I totally held my own Or maybe even comment if you think I was a snoozer. That's fine, too. Either way, the three amigos are back together next week once for all. So enough about that. And let's get started. Okay, so let's keep today's episode exciting and fun. Um, The producers, as I mentioned earlier, thought it was a great idea to not write out a script for me today, which they know I hate since I'm super OCD. And I... (laughs) Who doesn't love a good old script and notes? I mean, come on. On that note, before you start hearing crickets, <laughs> since Cheryl off script isn't necessarily the most comfortable position for me to be in right now, let's get right into it, shall we? I'm so excited. This was a long intro to introduce to you guys a very special guest who so kindly agreed to be my co-host for today, someone I can totally relate to on so many levels and who will hands down hold me accountable. She is a former national ranked professional equestrian. My girl is also a fellow podcaster, so make sure to check out her podcast, also produced by iHeart, called Teddy P. Pod. Okay, if you guys don't know who it is, then wake up. So for those who know me, I, you know, you guys know I love some therapy. I love therapists. I love life coaches. I love anything to do with coach and therapy. And um, I've been borderline, I guess, obsessed with my <laughs> guest co-host even before we we became friends, which is kind of creepy. I know. Um, but she is the fiercest accountability coach that Los Angeles has ever seen fitness influencer and the CEO of her multi-million dollar company called All In, love the name, by Teddy. And if that isn't enough, her and her husband are both CEO and founder of Skyline Security Management Incorporated. But more importantly, she is an amazing mother, stepmom, and wife. Everyone, please welcome my friend who is the most down-to-earth, kind, generous, drop-dead, gorgeous, talented, and courageous woman who takes no BS from anyone, Beverly Hills Housewife star, Mrs. Teddy Mellencamp Arroyav. Am I saying that right? Aroyave, but uh, oh, here's the thing. Damn I it. need to be my permanent hype girl. I just got goosebumps. I was like, wow, this is so wonderful. I'm just going right? to your podcast and hear your intro more. And then I started really I second mean, guessing my own intros. I was like, no, damn, no, no. I need to step it up. Well, like you, I'm OCD, right? So I was up all night writing this because uh, they wanted us to go like off the cuff. And I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> not with intros. This girl right here, AJ normally does our intro, you know, so it was like, it's, it's new. It's a new thing. And I know it probably sounded like I was reading because guess what? I was. So it's fine. <laughs> like I just needed because my brain goes like if not a million. Goes, yeah, it just spirals out of control. I feel I'll, you. I'll talk about my manicure the whole time. But the, the, see, I'm the opposite, though. If I write it all down and I want to try, then I, I honestly all of a sudden forget how to read. Like I'm like, yes. uh, so for me, I'm like, I have to kind of wing it or else Mm -hmm. then I no longer have the skills for reading. My mind goes a thousand miles an hour. So it pretty much shows that OCD can manifest in many different ways in many different people. Absolutely. Well, welcome. And thank you for doing this. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. And especially thank you for doing this after what the hell happened to you? (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is just so bananas. So I, 
you know, I've been having, you know, what I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's vertigo, but what I think is vertigo for quite some time. And, um, but I've just kind of, you know, not that this is ideal, but kind of ignored it and been like, this is probably fine. And so on Saturday night, my, um, daughter had a sleepover and, you know, the, the parents, they're our good friends. And they said, you know, just so you know, she might wake up um, in the middle of the night um, and want to come home. If that's the case, text us. I'm like, of course, you know, no problem. So um, at like three thirty four in the morning, I hear Teddy, Teddy. And I got up and like ran into the room, you know, because right. I was like, OK, she right. must go home. And I fainted. What? Yeah, I fainted. And then I tried to get up so quickly that I fainted again. And that's when I like hit the side of my face right here on my lip. And then oh. I have like a black eye. And when did this happen? Like 24 hours Sa- ago? Saturday. So what's today? Uh, it's Two- Monday. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. So it happened Saturday. No, it's so- Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. So I went to, you know, I went to sleep at nine o'clock. Everything should yeah. be fine and dandy. And then, you know, so now I've been seeing different doctors and trying to figure out what, you know, right. the root of the issue is. And but so what do we, what did they say? Because like, so I danced with Emmett Smith on Dancing with Stars, who also had to deal with his vertigo. And we were flying back and forth from Dallas and he could not do any spins to save his life. Like we had Beanie's Waltz that week and we like Beanie's Waltz is all the circular motion and he was dying. He was dying. Like well, there I, was. Go ahead. This is new to me. And I and I um I see like the main doctor today to kind of get yeah. full answers. So I don't want to say what I think it is no, until I no, actually yeah. know, because here's the thing. People jump on you for everything. What you right. could say the wrong thing. Oh, is it low blood pressure? Right. Is, it high? is it this? No, is it totally. I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but what I do know is I want to make sure that never happens again. Absolutely. So I'm making sure to follow all the steps to like, you know, uh-huh. plus not to mention that's not a fun call to make to the, to the parents of the child, you know, like, Hey, just wanted to give you, she did get a little scared, but then you know what? Me fainting relaxed her right into the fact that she felt fine sleeping over. I mean, oh my gosh, there's just so much. I mean, let me just, from experience, I'm not a certified doctor either. My husband also had vertigo. He actually got it pretty bad and he got checked by multiple doctors. And it was this one exercise that you have to do where you've keep there's like this step-by-step piece of paper I if I still have it I'll send it to you but like basically you put your head in a certain angle for 30 seconds and you do it yes, and it goes away I, I might be pronouncing wrong the Epperly maneuver something like no that. idea yes, what it's called I, I've been doing it but it worked for him I know it's something about the crystals in your ears. Yes. I, I I never even heard like, of that. We before. have crystals. Like, can I, I use that for my diamond paintings? You that's think? what I was thinking. I was like, crystal. <laughs> I mean, you would be really into the crystals in the ears for your diamond yeah, absolutely. painting. But I, you know, give, who knows? Give, just give them to me. Save them, will you? Yeah. Once once okay. we get them out of here, get back on track. But yeah, it's pretty. You know, everything's fine. I'm a little like. Yeah. No, you. But this also could be. This is where it's hard. I could be fine, but then now my anxiety is manifesting into that where you like almost are outside of your body. Mm-hmm. Have you been like that with your anxiety? Where like all the time. Here I am sitting, and then here's my anxiety over here, just completely yeah. like blackout. I looking blackout. down at you, going, "Okay, what are you doing? Are you saying? Are you speaking?" And like weird, forgetful things are happening. And I'm so type A that like 
Mm -hmm. Like something silly, like I opened an Amazon package and put it somewhere and then didn't even remember that the Amazon package came and my son, you know, that happens to me all the time. But I think it's because we're not conscious. There's so much going on in our brain that we're like subconsciously doing like I will put I'll put like a a fork in my diamond painting drawer. Like it's the weirdest thing in the world. Right. And like normally like you, I'm type A. So like there's no way. And then I get so angry with myself. And then I talk bad to myself and then it just escalates. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, and then the world of social media and, you know, a big thing that I've always prided myself on is trying to be as vulnerable as possible and share what I'm going through. And, yeah. you know, then people, you know, th- of course there's supportive people and you love it and you're like, wow, that's so kind, or those are such great tips. And then there's the people that like, want to attack you like blah, blah, maybe it's because of this or blah blah or like someone yeah. even started like a blog site that says it, my husband did it you know like what yes like that is people, so rude it's so it, but you just have to ignore it yeah because if you're gonna be public with like like you I'm also very open because I don't know anything else like I actually can't do the fake so uh, you're either gonna get uncensored Cheryl or just no Cheryl period yeah, like I just will not do social then <laughs> but like you just I guess I don't know you just take it uh, yeah I just punches. have to you I have to tell it. what's going on it's in probably my the life, same and person you don't over like and, over it again. and you're and you're looking for like the negative like I'm already going through enough like I don't need you to like set out some random narrative that's not true that's actually hurtful to my family and me they're already totally. worried about me so let's not Yeah. And I think that's why it's so good, though, that you're so open because you've already acknowledged what was going on. So people can't make speculations. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to that. So really, they look really dumb. Like, yeah, it's like find something, you know, I I do know that when I follow somebody, if I look to somebody, I would never in a million years, like go and try to attack them on social media because I know that you don't, time, you don't have yeah, time, Teddy. You don't have time for that type of stuff. Also, you I also don't feel good. I like. <laughs> yes. I, I, that make me laugh, that I think are funny, that I think are beautiful, that I think are good moms, like whatever it may be. But Teddy, you wouldn't do that to somebody that you didn't like. Like that's ridiculous. I know. That's just so childlike. And that's not who you are. And that's not who you want your kids to see. You know, like that version, like that is such an ugly version in general, even in those feelings inside when there's like comparison, like obviously all this stuff comes up, you know, and it's hard because like in a way, you know, we are performers and in a way we want validity, I think. Yeah. Deep down inside. Of course. And I think it makes us feel good. And we focus. I'm reading this book right now. It's fascinating. And it talks about worrying and how the worrying at the moment, like when you worry about something, unless you can fix it at that moment, let's say you thought you left your oven on and you're on your way to work and no one's home, then yes, turn around and you can control that. But the rest, like 99.9% of our worries, they're not real. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to me how like, we have that's the blockage for making us stay in the zone of genius or finding what that zone of genius is or so even crazy. feeling at peace right because like the worrying is like such a cock block yeah the i mean even yesterday i had someone come over and do acupuncture on me oh, and one. she was like i have never seen someone more amped up getting acupuncture fight or flight like she's like most people fall asleep, want these in longer. You're twitching around. You keep trying to look at your phone. Like you, ca- like we need you to like, 
but You're it's like, that did con- you faint twice in a row <laughs> in front of your children? Right? Um, did you look like this? This like this lip, and then have to film ads? <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> I'm when I heard that about this this morning, I was like, should we just like voice it? Like, do we have to do I'm, like I'm a like, video? <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm no, like, but honestly, you look amazing. You look it's amazing. gotten better than it was, but I mean, I can't. I'm constantly in fight or flight. We've talked about this before. I am on the defense at all times. Like even when my husband's like, oh, you look nice. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'll just freaking, I'll like literally elbow him. I'm like, su- and it sucks, you know, because it's like, this is what, since I was younger, right? Since I got sexually molested, I think I've been always, I've never trusted anybody or anything around me, right? So it's been a very, um, I've been very defensive in every way, shape or form so that I don't get hurt because I'm still living in that fight or flight. But what I have to separate is, I guess, ask myself, is it dangerous? Like, is it danger? Is danger calling your name when someone's trying to show affection? Obviously not, right? right? But I'm just like so on the defense. I get get what you just said. Totally. I feel you. And like, we have to remind ourselves, like, what's the worst that can happen in this situation? What's the worst that can happen to just be able to accept that compliment? Or maybe right. even, I mean, want to throw God it. forbid, but maybe start to believe them. Right. That's another thing the book <laughs> said. God, that book is amazing because it also said like you actually can't just take it. You actually have to feel it, observe the feeling, feel the feeling. How does it make you feel? Where does it come up in your body? I'm like, I'm not even that in tune. Like I'm so disconnected. I'm like it sounds great, but it's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. I think I, I definitely go in waves. There's some, yeah. some weeks or days that I'm like, I'm feeling good. Things are good. And then there's some that I'm just like right. this, I am white knuckling it to get <sighs> through the day. Word. I know AJ says basically that I've been white knuckling my sobriety ever since, because I haven't gone to AA like for, I guess I just th- three years was my sober birthday, right? Just recently. So for two and a half years, I'm like, does that mean I have to start over? Like, that's really discouraging, but we're just going to say three years because I've been in therapy. I have a question though. What is your thoughts on California? No. Like what what is what did what did Demi Lovato call it? California, California drunk drugs. California sober. What whatever yes, the- yes. First of all, you can't use the word sober if you if are using, using right? like I find it so offensive because people who are actually sober, like myself, I take pride in the fact that of course there's moments like this used to be a bar full of alcohol behind me, like Tito's every I mean, like so much booze. Of course, at times I wanted to drink. I'm not going to then make up a word and say California sober because, you know, you can't be sober if you're using any type of substance. You're not sober. The part that was hard for me is like a huge part of, you know, her fan group is our kids. Yeah, so they're going to be smoking weed and drinking and saying that they're sober and then God forbid driving under the influence. Like, how does that work? I, I, it all was a lot for me. So I, I have a real, you know, ish, I had an issue yeah. with that word and I'm not even a sober. So I can only imagine if I had gone through the steps, if I was in that situation, how I would feel about that. And I mean, I watched the thing on YouTube as well, mm-hmm. kind of watching it and you can see that like, and this is coming from a place of love. You can see struggle. 
that's still oh there. God. Pain. That's so much self-medicating, pain. The, all of those types of things. So to call it sober is- But I she's think- been sober, which is what's killing me, is that like, she's not like she's never gone through the program or whatever. Like she actually has been sober and for so long. And it's okay if you choose not to, but just don't add, don't label it. Right. right? Just say I'm like, no longer, you know, I'm managing I'm just, in a different it's way. It's not your or- business or I'm just not sober. Like who cares? Yeah. But yeah, you can't. It, it, it's, that's a black or white issue. Definitely. There's no and gray I line. Love black. No. And I don't know that anyway. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about I am very passionate like you. You know, we both have competed, um, especially, you know, when we were younger. And have you ever, I guess, going to this whole Simone Biles controversy right at the Olympics? Um, have you ever felt where like when you competed back in the day that you weren't mentally there and your mental state and your physical body, they weren't connecting? For sure, a hundred percent. And you know, riding thousands of pounds of you know animal, and when you're not feeling it, like I remember from a very young age, we would have the sports hypnotist and therapist, and like I would have to go sit in the stands and listen to my recording and mm-hmm. try to get to that place. And when you go into the ring, when I would go into the ring, if I wasn't there, you know, sometimes I, you know, I would say. of the time I could pull it out, but it was like an out of body experience. Like I don't even really remember it happening. Um, But But that's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah. You come, you're just like, you're like, like, Uh somehow that happened, even though I, you know, but I had, I was very procedural. I had to follow certain procedures. I'd have to Mm -hmm. touch my pant in a certain area. I'd have to fix my hair the certain way. I'd have to do this. I'd have to have two sips of water. Like every single thing had to be in place. But Mm -hmm. I, you know, remember, and it still happens to this day when I compete, um, I'll go in and once something goes wrong, it's very hard to get yourself mentally to that place to keep going because I'm so, and I'm sure you're the same way. I'm so driven by winning Mm. that once I've lost, in my opinion, I don't then think about survival. Right. Everything just goes black. Like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I have to really, you know, and as a kid, that's what happened to me a lot. But then when you say that when you go black, do you mean like you are willing to do whatever it takes to win or you've given up in a way like you're you have at this once something bad has happened, like let's say the horse, you Mm -hmm. know, like had a rail or blah, 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 you know, I piloted them to the wrong distance or whatever it may be, missed a lead change, then, you know you kind of go in fight or flight mode and either you, you know, it depends on where your mental state is. Sometimes you go, okay, great. I've got this and you can fight through it. And then sometimes you honestly like come in. I remember looking outside the ring and being like, I, I, maybe I should pull up. And I mean, there was one time I had a concussion and didn't know it and like, couldn't remember my course. How did you get the concussion? I had fallen off. And back now there's all these rules, safe sport and all these different things in the, in the equestrian world. But at, you know, at this time they didn't have it. I had fallen off, thrown up, got back your co- on. Your coach was like, get back on every, I mean, this was just standard procedure. No, totally. And then Listen, I couldn't totally. remember what I was doing in the middle of the God. round. Like I looked up, I'm like, I don't remember where my next jump is. Like, you know, it just did the horse help you at all? Like no, this? they don't know the. I mean, they don't know where they're going. They're, we right, got to pilot right. them. They'll, they're right. good horses, but they don't know. It's not like a racetrack. It's like you have to follow the distances. But I think, you know, you. So what did real, you do? I mean, somehow I figured out how to finish up some wow. capacity, and then they Muscle took me to the hospital. And then, 
Yeah. You know, I was concussed and then I had to wait two weeks before riding again. Do you think that of the reason, I mean, are you, you say that you're still competing. So are you still active as far as um, like competition the, goes or just not off the same? On? My kids, my, my daughter loves to ride. And so mm-hmm. she shows and sometimes I'll ride her horse before if there's a class that I can do so that it'll be better prepared for her. Cause it's what I did mm-hmm. for a living for so long. Totally. Um, and I, you- where, where she rides is who I worked for, for 12 years. And, and how old is your daughter? She's yeah. eight. Okay. So do you go into this? Cause I've always said, if I ever have a daughter, I will not let her ballroom dance. I, I can care less. Like it doesn't matter. Cause for me, there's a lot of, as much as it's been a benefit in my life and it's taught me so much. It's also, I think it's been more of a, a negative. Um, it's left a negative as far as connotation on like body image and um, always wanting validity and constantly having to you know, maybe put up with abuse and um, not physical as much as mental, right? Like in any sport, like in order to be great, I do believe that there's no such thing as balance if you want to be great at what you do, right? And so to teach a kid, I think for me, when it comes to ballroom, and not only is it dance, but you're dancing with another gender and it's very, very, very intimate and you're basically dry humping. I definitely had sex when I was too young. I definitely grew up way like I was 13 going on 30. Um, I saw things I shouldn't have seen. And I definitely, I don't know, I feel weird about, I would feel weird about it, I guess. How about you? Do you like warn your daughter? Like, this is what could happen. Let's try and like get you mentally there straight. I mean, of course there's the the body image issues and all of that stuff that stemmed from doing the sport and, you know, all of the other, you know, just mind games that you play on yourself. But I truly believe that horses saved my life. Oh, for sure. There's like, a I, husband. um, my parents had, you know, a, a bad divorce, you know, I was in between homes, like there was custody battles and, you know, it was just not, I, I mean, I don't even remember my childhood because of it. Mm. Um, but I do remember riding. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah. I do remember falling in love with the animal. And I do remember falling in love with being a part of like this team of, of young girls coming up and riding and, and that camaraderie is what I needed. Mm -hmm. I I never, and still to this day, I have a really hard time asking people for anything. Um, but horses and I could give it to each other. And when I got to that stage in my life, you know, when I was, I don't know, probably 14 where I started, you know, like I had, I was on that path. Like you were, I was winning everything as a kid, but then you kind of go into that like bigger form of nationals or I could like, you know, go party. And I I was Mm -hmm. partying at first, like, cause you know, in eighth grade, I was being homeschooled so I could travel all the time. And then I just was not all of a sudden not traveling all the time, partying like crazy. And I realized like, I am, I'm not going to make it like this. I don't want to live my life like this. And so I went back to horses and it, and it truly is what got me through high school and what got me through. So like, yeah, I hear you. I mean, same for dancing for me, but there's also like that aspect of, I, you know, I also fell in love with all my dance partners, (laughs) not so much horses, but like, you know, it's just so intimate, but yeah, I definitely hear you because it is, there's a therapy, there's so many great things about like athleticism and being an athlete, but there's also with that comes a lot of, you know, and, and, but I mean, truthfully, when I, when I look at it, no matter what the sport is or no matter what the activity is that you're doing, 
I do want my kids to love and be passionate about something and want yes, it and want absolutely. to know what it's like to work hard for something. Because sometimes you will see if somebody never really had that growing up, it's hard for them to There's have no that as an adult, to have yeah. the discipline or to have the drive or to even have that confidence in themselves that knows like, hey, if I work hard, I can mm-hmm. achieve these things. For sure. For sure. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, the awareness of just your body, right? And your anatomy is very important. And like, it is like, in a way, I did grow up fast. I don't regret anything. I loved traveling. But I mean, yeah, there's certain things that happened that maybe shouldn't have, but it is what it is. It shaped me and who I am today. And I'm sure it has done the same for you. So um, let's take a break. And then we'll dive into Simone Biles a little bit more. Sounds good. Thanks. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
it's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to Pretty Messed Up. I've got my special guest co-host, Teddy Mellencamp. Arova. You're, you, you got it even worse this time. Aroyave. Aro, you have to do that. Oh, yeah. Aroyave. Aroyave. Okay. I'm going to yeah. get it the third time. I the promise. The third time you're going to nail it. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about right before the commercial break, we're talking about just how we both come from the competition world. So what do you think of what has happened with Simone Biles and her decision? Do you agree? Do you not agree? Okay. I can say that I had all of the range of emotions, but the difference is I didn't actively say them. Like where I haven't you know, loved it. You weren't like, one of those trolls that the were trolls just like-, like tweeting, you know, at first I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's a bummer. And then I let it actually resonate and start thinking about it and like what it actually means that she was going through. And then I, rem- you know, because I watched athlete a, so her past trauma and the abuse and the pressure. What's athlete a again for people? That oh, it's sorry. athlete a is a documentary. I believe it's on Netflix and it follows um, pretty much I think his name's Larry Nasser, which is the guy, The he was the doctor for all the Olympians who abused all of these gymnasts. And um, it's just heartbreaking. I think there was 135 women that came forward. And it's just between and that. Simone and Simone came like a little later than most, right? Isn't that, yeah. I think in 2018 was when she finally, I guess, acknowledged or admitted because like, you know, when trauma happens, you numb or you just don't want to remember and you f- just don't remember that time yeah. or want to. It's and hard. they all kind of talked about it. And and here was the part that was so messed up. It was I, I don't know if this is considered grooming. And if I speak out of term, it's just because I'm I'm trying to understand. No, no, no. He became their friend. I know. So like he would say things like he'd give them candy or he would like give them advice or he like would, you know, give them food they weren't allowed to eat on their regimen or whatever. So he gave them what in their mind, almost this safe place. But then meanwhile, he's touching them inappropriately in a doctor's office. So yeah, so that is grooming, by the way, that is. And that's something my molester did with me as well. Um, I literally, this is where the guilt and shame comes in, because I feel like I'd never stopped him because of the grooming, right? So like, um, he never hurt me physically. We never, you know, he never um, tried to have sex with me, but it was a lot of oral sex. Sorry for the details. Um, But it was a sense of grooming because I didn't have a father. I mean, I did my stepfather, but they were always working. And so he made it so that I was comfortable with him um, to the point where like it was really hard for me to testify and look at his face when I was being uh, when I was at court, like I was like nine years old and because I was so confused because I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Is it, what did he do? You know, constantly questioning, which is why I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell my parents, right? Like, because that is a real thing. Grooming is a real thing. And I think, and that's, and you know, I'm so sorry. Like, first I have to say that, but I think that also these gymnasts and probably you as well, and probably anybody in the sport, not only was, were they being groomed and, you know, abused, they were also being mentally abused by a lot of their coaches. Like there was one coach who was set down. I was watching, this is actually another show called gold and it's on Peacock with Mm -hmm. all of these um, Olympic hopefuls. And there was a judge, I mean, a 
a coach, I think her name was Megan, mm-hmm. and she got sent, uh, shut down to coach for eight years because of the abuse that she had put through these girls through coaching, just like that she'd kill yeah. herself if they left her and oh all God. of these different things. So it's like, I think the amount and what what people aren't remembering is these ki- these are kids. These are kids who by, by, honestly don't eat a lot, okay? Maybe yeah. like an, an avocado a day. So already mentally, they're like a little bit famished. And then on top of that, it just like they're maybe not getting their period when they should have. And it's just their puberty and like trying to just constantly, please, 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 please. And yes, the coaches, I mean, I think people need to do an out, like a background check on these people before they even... Um, before they even talk to these kids or like even be a part of their lives. I think it's so important that people get mental health checkups consistently. Well, they, Michael Phelps did, did a big thing about this as well as like how prevalent mental illness is in the Olympic world, especially when you're done, which brings me to the question is why before starting the Olympics, isn't there some sort of wellness check? where they right? are seen or by a, a therapist, doctor, on yeah, therapist and talking to people so that maybe this doesn't get to this point because they you know, don't want that is going to mess with their, um, their winning, you know, mind. Yeah. And the, like, the mind games the, of feeling like they have to win. Good. But yeah. I mean, I truly felt like Simone did it because she, you know, her, she was struggling and the part that made me love her so much is the way that she was with her team after she was yeah. still a leader. Totally. And by the way, you know how fucking, excuse my language, how hard that would be like that she is the first person, I guess I could say for sure that I've seen actually practice what they preach. Because like as much as I preach like mental health first, there are moments where I will choose not my mental health and choose whatever I'm expected to do. Right. Like there's times on Dancing with the Stars that I am messed up in the head a lot, you know, and like maybe I should have, you know, taking that a little seriously, but like, it is so hard what society puts on to you and, and the pressure of like, they don't see her as a person. Like she is a human being first athlete second. And I don't think people understand that. Like she's not a go gymnast, go like dance monkey dance for me. It's like, no, we don't do that. Like, that's not what we do. We've actually like, we fight. She's been fighting for a country. She's proven herself. And for people like Pierce Morgan, I'm so sorry. Ugh, I know. But I can't even keep it to myself because I am very, very sensitive when you are not taking into consideration the fact that her and a bunch of her colleagues have just gotten sexually molested. And I say just because I'm still going through trauma and PTSD after two, almost two decades, yeah. right? This happened to me over two decades ago. And Pierce knows this. He interviewed me when I came out with my book. And it's just... No one is ever, no one's saying that because unless we are not Simone Biles, I'm not Simone Biles, no one is, she's going through her own thing and we need to either not say anything at all or give her words of encouragement because at the end of the day, what she did will make history and it will, it's, show, it's shedding a light on like your kids and like that is such an amazing thing that she did. And she really is a role model, I think, for And I um, think what so generation. many people overlooked, like the people that are coming at her, this isn't a sport like uh, not to put down any sport, but this isn't a you can't this compare isn't tennis or anything else. Like this is a sport where you can really you would, hurt you yourself, paralyzed, you paralyzed. Yeah. You can die. Mm-hmm. So if you're not feeling like yourself and you're doing and you've already done a couple of things that have made you nervous or hurt you or scared you, 
why, if you're Quit. going to push through, it's yes. not worth what it could be. The amount of people paralyzed by making right. that mistake is not worth it because a Pierce Morgan or, you know, but does whoever- Pierce Morgan, I just want to ask, like, does Pierce Morgan think that those words, what, I mean, I printed it out, but it's, it, those words would like be like, oh, someone's going to wake up the next morning and be like, thanks, Pierce. I'm going to just go out there and just register myself back into the Olympics. Like your words have nothing. You, there's no use for those words. And what's so amazing is that someone commented and said something about him being on this um, network with the, some weatherman and he could barely last like 30 seconds before he walked off set. Yeah. So like, and I love whoever said that. That was really amazing because like Pierce we're so it's so it's not just Pierce it's a lot of people like you guys this is we have no idea what she's going through the only thing I can say is that when you have been sexually molested it never goes away like that PTSD will last a long time if not for the rest of your life and I'm have now prepared myself in a way that every day is a new day and sometimes I'm up sometimes I'm down sometimes I'm not connected because that's what you do when you are a victim now she's a survivor but you know how, you're a professional disconnector and, and from your t- body and adding to the fact that she's also considered the greatest of all time and the pressure of going into that and all of the emotions and you know something and I triggers, hadn't even put into consideration imagine? is like they thought they were going to the Olympics a while ago and then it had to be postponed so then the gyms are being closed and then open and then close like all of it has been such a mind game i'm not even preparing for anything and it's yeah. been a mind game for me and i also wonder too i mean look i'm not trying to put the olympic federation down or anything but i want to know i guess like do they really support her in that sense because i think there's nothing like you can feel alone so quickly when you've gone through trauma and when you all you're trying to do is obviously take care of you and why is that such a crime why is it such a crime to take care of you first she's represented our country she's actually she's been there done that but the good thing is is these types of things are changing it's starting to change the conversation people like her people Mm -hmm. like her around mental health Mm -hmm. around abuse around speaking up and you know, I don't think everybody has to immediately understand because, of course, there's going to be those comparing. Little, yeah, th- you're not going to immediately understand. Of course, yes, there could have been somebody else that could have had her spot on or the Tom team. Or Tom Brady but, did yeah, this. Like, or so, it's like, well, first of all, that has nothing but to do have, with anything. But we have to listen. Yeah, we have no, to for sure. We have to listen and go, OK, maybe at first glance, I don't understand this. Maybe I have this reaction. But before we act on it, before we say something, before we go in public, we have to actually listen and process what mm-hmm. could somebody somebody could be going through. And I think that goes the same with what's going on in people and with our people in our homes, our friends, yeah. our family. Like honestly, Teddy, I wouldn't have even known that you fainted twice if you didn't say anything. Right. Like so. Yeah. You just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And so you just, you have to, you have to trust that people are yeah. doing what's best for them. And also she was doing what was best for her team. And that's super vulnerable to be able to say, look, girls, I can't, she didn't want to lose a medal for her team. Cause imagine yeah. if she would have scored really low, they wouldn't have even gotten a silver medal. No, not even, they wouldn't have even placed. So, I, I mean, I, my heart goes out to yeah. her. I hope that she's feeling loved and supported. And I think that she is, you could see it in her face, even when she was doing peace with it. Yeah. Like, I think that what people are like, Oh, she's going to regret it. She just let her team down. No, she actually didn't. Like what you said earlier, she was a leader. She's still there with them. And she tried. I mean, what was everyone else doing during the pandemic? Not in the gym, 
That's yeah, for sure. Not like <laughs> I mean, people are out here complaining about like wearing masks, let alone like <laughs> doing quadruple. And by the way, she's also setting a new standard, right? When she competes, she's adding like extra twists and like this. The, the judges don't even game. know how to judge her because it's like she's just out of, in her own league and doing Simone. And she's and, the best freaking gymnast of all time. And everyone can just shut up. I agree. I agree. They can go kick rocks. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's take a break. <laughs> Love you, Simone. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to Pretty Messed Up. I've got my special guest co-host and friend, Teddy Mellencamp Arroyo. No! 
Wait. First of all, why? Oh, God. Doesn't it sound good, though? Arroya? Don't you want to change it? It sounds really sexy. Arroya. 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 (laughs) Okay. Fourth time a charm. Fourth time a charm. Um, Okay. So you've been married for over a decade. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And I've only been married for two years. Now, what advice can you give me as far as marriage goes in general? And um, since you are an accountability coach, right? Like, is it important to hold your spouse accountable for certain things without threatening them? (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I think only you can hold yourself accountable when it comes to the things that you want to do in your life. That being said... My biggest piece of advice is our significant others aren't mind readers. And we all think and live very, very differently. So the biggest thing for me, which I did not do the first five years of my marriage, Mm -hmm. I was one of those people like, you know, everything's great. All's great. Like, and then be pissed and turn over to the side and not talk about anything. But the key for us, which has really changed our marriage when, you know, we were pretty down and out after I'd had a couple of miscarriages and was struggling with crews was we started talking when we weren't upset. We started Mm. our day by like having a real conversation and talk, you know, we read, we read, you know, books together or we do devotionals together and we talk about what we're grateful for and just starting our day with communication Mm -hmm. versus either looking at our phones or venting or whatever it may be. You figure out what, and maybe it's not morning for you. Maybe you're not a morning person, but we're morning people. I, I'm mm-hmm. one of those people, like if you come in the room at eight o'clock at night and you want to start a conversation with me, I'm like, mm-hmm. go away. We're going to have to be afternoon friends then, yeah. Teddy, because uh, my like second like win is at midnight. Oh, see, no, no, ma'am. But so for I us, don't have it, kids. It really is just about finding that time. And it doesn't have to be a ton of time, but 10 minutes to just connect. Yeah. Have that conversation. Go ahead. My husband and I have been in couples therapy even. So we've dated. This is the second time we're not dating. We're obviously married now. But like the first time was like over a decade ago. We were dating for about a year, broke up, reunited, got married. But when we reunited, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. And I think that it's so important, especially because communication is just so hard sometimes, right? Especially in this business when people are just like, I've got my own schedule. He's got his and it's separate in a way. So it's like to talk about it. It's like he's an introvert and he's also um, a little bit avoidant attachment and I'm that anxious attachment, right? So we basically hashed it out as soon as we were like, okay, are we going to do this? Like second round, let's go to therapy. Do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's good. I mean, I love that. I go to therapy myself. Um, I have done couples therapy with my husband. We're not in it right now because we found like a good rhythm for us. But if any point in time, I wasn't feeling that rhythm, I would immediately go back. Mm -hmm. Um, But where I do see it can, if people can leave therapy and therapy, I think it's great. But I do know that when we were in our toughest spot, sometimes we'd leave therapy and then I'd want to continue the session. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) But aren't you avoidant as well? I'm surprised. Well, just because like I, I need to Closure. I can't, I need to understand everything and I need closure. And like, I want to hug. I love you closure. Not Aww. like I'm fine closure. Oh, I'm like a punch you close. Closure. Yeah, no, like I'm one of those people that like an all caps text message means you're mad at me. Like, oh, really? Yes. Oh my God. How about like no emoji? Does that mean like, oh, she's just no, a little cold? KK or sure is really KK. like F you. 
Totally. And by the way, I need to spell out all my freaking words so the KK is not working for me. You got to like spell out okay, A-Y. Yeah. Like, like I want all the thing. things. I want to yeah. understand. So I mean, I'm definitely an overthinker and he like, it would be so hard to even hurt his feelings. There's like, I know right. his three triggers and like, I can go to them if I really want to be a, you know, a-hole. Are, but are I, there more than three triggers with people or is it mainly like three? I think I have a good amount. I've got like 30. I have, I have a lot. I think I definitely have more than he does. His are just, you know, but also it's just kind of, especially once you have kids and stuff like that, it's kind right. of setting up what your expectations are because nobody can just guess. So for right. me, like, you know, of all my friends were the types that like they had family dinner every single night together. And then you know, I'm on, I was on a reality show. He works. It's not something that works for our family to say every night at five 30, we're going to eat together, but it would make me literally furious when I would try to plan it like that. So now it's like, all right, mornings, we're going to have breakfast. We're going to do that, you know, like whatever. Yeah. And then yeah, weekends yeah. we dedicate for doing family dinners, but if not, we're just at each other's throats because our schedules can't align. And then you're fighting over something that like, we want our Food. kids to know that you have to work. We know you're no, totally. Yeah. Like, and I, but think my husband's the same way. He comes from this big Italian family and my family, we ate when we were hungry, whether that was with each other or not. Like yeah. my parents were freaking working. If I eat cereal at 6 PM, I just need something to stop my stomach from growling. so I can just go back to <laughs> diamond painting or whatever I'm doing. Right. So it's like, that's the thing, but he finds that that's like a sacred time for him. So I'm like, okay, fine. Date night once a week, you'll get all of me and no technology, whatever. And we're trying this new thing where we always have to have some sort of physical connection once a day, at least. Oh, I love that. But like, like, you know, not like all sexy time, every like a physical, like nice embrace. Right. You know, sometimes you can go like 24 hours without even looking at each other. Yeah. Like racing around. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you guys do date night? I know you have like we kids do, and stuff. We normally do date like uh date day. Date month. No, oh. no, date day. So like we'll do like mornings. We, we, yeah. We find, and you know, I think another thing is figuring out what you like to do together. So for us, like we like, you know before the pandemic, we love to like go to, you know, these different classes, workout classes, whatever, but like, we like to go hiking and then like go to try different brunch places around town. And like, for me, I'm also one of those people, if I'm going to pay a babysitter, I want it to be when my kids are awake. Totally. Right. <laughs> what a waste of money. I know, like, I know, like and, and I was realizing I was scheduling date night because that's what everybody does. But then right. I'd be exhausted. I just put my kids to bed. I'm so tired. The babysitter arrives at eight and then you go to dinner and then I'm like, oh, wow. So it's really finding what works for you and like gives you energy so that like you are your best self and they yeah. can be their best self with you. Absolutely. Would you guys ever dance together? Like if I gave you guys a dance lesson, yeah, you, you don't even would... understand. After I saw you the other day, he's like, do oh, we you should do it. I think Cheryl could help us. Dance? I'm like, I would yes. do anything if she would help us. I'm telling you, it's like a whole nother level of connection. And you'll really know if you guys are like really vibing or not, because it, you have to work together. It's, it's fascinating just to see but the body language. But speaking of dance, would you do dancing with the stars? One million percent. I and mean, who I would, would you dance with? Who would I dance with? You can't dance with me, obviously. I, but well, I, I would have to get special side tutoring. But obviously, who, I have a question. Who would you pair me with? How tall are you again? I'm well, I mean, I five, five, AK, no, five, three. <laughs> Add three inch heels. So five, six. I would pair you with Gleb. Gleb? Yeah. It, Gleb is who Eric. You guys James would look with, hot right? together. Mm hmm. All right. Well, 
Go I ahead. mean, look, you've got a bunch of other people, you know, you can just like, maybe we can just do a little like behind the scenes tryout. So you kind of have like a little taste. Should, should we just each- have him here? You coach us? Yes. The whole thing. Right here in my what? house. I'll be like, Keo, next. <laughs> Val, get your ass in here. Um, well, okay. let's manifest it. I already have. Wow. Um, okay. I love that. Well, now that you, but you're vertigo, we got to work that out. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I'm, uh, I'm, I'm handling it. We're getting it totally. Through. We're going to get you in those positions. I'll bend you back and forth. Um, okay. So let's go straight into an email that we have from one of our listeners. If I can find it, hold please while I shuffle all my notes that I basically <laughs> thought I was doing a 24 hour freaking podcast, like in a row. <laughs> This is so crazy. Actually, this is the note I it. have for my podcast, by the way. Just one little page right here. Oh my! I need no. You're inspiring you don't understand. Me. Like literally, I've got like Simone, Simone, <laughs> more quotes from Justin Bieber. Like oh it's crazy. Okay, wait, hold on. Seriously, maybe we should put this in. The... I knew this was gonna happen. Just for those of you guys things. listening, she has like a novel on her desk right now. Seriously. She's just... Oh, I found it. Okay. Found it. Found it. Her name is Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Sorry for the shuffling. So um, this is an email. I've been having a tough time with my anxiety and depression lately. So socializing has been at the bottom of my list. I don't want to see anyone or respond to text messages. When my family and friends try to reach out to me, responding to them is so much effort. And I do not have, have it in me to explain what is going on. What is the best way to let your loved ones know you're going through a tough mental health season without explaining yourself is it wrong to keep them at arm's length right now girl i'm vibing with you at this moment but why don't you start Teddy? okay so first thing first yes we want our loved ones to you know be a part of it but first think about what you need what is it right now that i need that's going to make me feel better so you know i'm not saying that exercise is the number one thing for everybody but if you could start your day with just a little bit of sunshine getting outside, having some fresh air, doing things that are going to just make you smile for a second, just that second, then it's going to become, the weight is going to feel like it's lifting a little bit to the point where you can be a little bit more open. And I think it's okay to have boundaries. Like I'll, you know, I'll say to my sister, you know, she wants to plan things way in advance trips, blah, blah, blah. And it gives me anxiety. And I have to say to her, listen, I love you 1 million percent. I cannot wait to see you, but I cannot plan things seven months in advance. It gives me anxiety. Like I need you, you know, to know I love you and we'll do it. But I, I know that's a different situation, but just, you can say like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I'm struggling a little right now but I'm working on it mm-hmm. and, and don't take it personal. Yeah, don't take it personal because if not, people are going to think you're mad at them and that's going to add to your anxiety. And honestly, Lauren, like I have the same type of relationship with my family that like, there's so much going on with each of my, each of the members right now. And it's like, I tend to want to fix. I'm a fixer, right? So I'm like, okay, so what, how can we fix this? How can we, like, there's no point of just talking about it, but then I'm like, wait a second. No, they just need me to listen. Like, maybe that's all your family wants you to do. Maybe you don't actually, if you don't feel like talking about it, maybe you just tell them, you know, I'm here for you guys. You've got like 10 minutes. I'm kidding. No, don't say it like that. But then maybe explain to them, look, I'm here, I'm listening, but I just have nothing to share at this moment. And maybe that's, you know, you just, there's other ways of doing it. But listen, I, there are times that I press that freaking ignore button when I see one of my family members calling me and I know it's going to be an 
three hour conversation, you know, and it's like, that's the thing you get stuck in that rut. Like, oh my God, I can't even say I got to go. Cause it's like, you feel bad about that. Then you feel bad about, you know, one day at a time, girl, because just do you first. Um, like you see Simone doing honestly. And like you see all of us just talking about it. It helps. You can just talk about it with your friends or with somebody that you may not know. It doesn't matter. I think writing journaling helps meditation helps and breath. I think we all forget that breathing is so vital. Like it's what keeps us alive and like no one uses it, right? Like I'm, as a dancer, I should know. And I just am learning how to breathe. It's nuts anyway. And another key thing that I actually do, um, when you get, when you get those calls for me, phone calls, I really, let's do a funny story. I really don't want to have a phone call or you're in an emergency. (laughs) Um, but what sometimes will help is if you're worried about the tone of how it's coming across, because I'm that anxious type where I worry like, okay, I'm going to tell them, but then they're going to want to ask a million questions. If you do a voice note Mm. and send the voice note and you just say, you know, Hey guys, it's Lauren. I just wanted to say, you know, thank you so much for reaching out. I've been feeling like a little anxious and stuff. And, but I just want you to know, I love you and I'm working on it and you know, I'm here, but like, I'm going to need a little space. Then they hear your tone and they know that you're being authentic and you're not mad at them or you're not this at them or you're not. It's really about you. And then they can they can react off of your energy versus seeing it on a text message, which can be more jarring, I think, to some. I mean, like I hate using emojis. So everyone thinks I'm always pissed off at all times and I'm monotone. So this is me (laughs) happy, sad, angry, um, ecstatic, you know, whatever it is. But thank you, Lauren, so much for your email. Um, Just know you're not alone. I feel everything that you said and um, just take it day by day. All right, guys. So I think that's it. Oh, my God. Is it? No. Yes. Yes, it is. It flew by. Okay, wait. I'm trying your last name again. Teddy Mellencamp Arroyava. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't find your God. You know what? I'm going to give you till next week to figure it out. Thank you. Uh, and um, I'll give you a free dance lesson just because I keep screwing up your last perfect. name. Perfect. How about Wait, every uh, time? You owe me five now because it's five times. Oh, calm yeah. down, accountability coach. <laughs> Teddy Mellencamp Arroya Vet. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, babe. Love you. Thank you. Feel better. Bye. Bye. Follow Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP 
the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. He was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.